So Money episode 347, Laura Belgray. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. So Money is brought to you today by Wealthfront. Wealthfront is the most tax-efficient, low-cost, hassle-free way to invest. Now, many of you I know are interested in simplifying your investment strategy. You want to reduce fees. You want to work with a service that you trust. And Wealthfront delivers. It builds and manages your personalized, globally diversified portfolio. To open an account, the minimum is just $500, and that gets you a periodically rebalanced, diversified portfolio of low-cost index funds. There are zero trading fees, zero hidden fees, and advisory fees that are just a fraction of traditional advisors. In fact, Wealthfront manages your first $10,000 for free. To learn more and sign up, visit wealthfront.com forward slash so money. Welcome to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi, a fantastic, great, funny, beautiful, inspiring, and smart guest today. Laura Belgray. She's on the show. She's the founder of Talking Shrimp and co-creator of The Copy Cure. So what is Talking Shrimp and what is The Copy Cure? Well, she's going to tell you about that. But Laura professionally has been a writer for nearly two decades and she has won numerous awards for her work. She creates website copy and corporate branding to help brands and people get the attention they deserve because you know what? Words matter. And through her work with hundreds of clients, including some names you might recognize, including Marie Forleo, Mastin Kip, and Amy Porterfield, she's seen firsthand that putting you into your copy is pure magic for getting people to love you, share your ideas, and happily click your buy button. So if you're in the online selling world, you want to listen to this episode. But in addition to online and small business types, Laura's list of clients and credits include NBC, Bravo, HBO, TBS, Fandango, and the list goes on. So if you watch TV and don't skip the commercials, you might just see her words on the air. Most recently, Laura and Marie Forleo combined their smarts to create the Copy Cure, which is, as they say, the ultimate online copywriting course to help write like you talk and make people love and buy what you want to sell. Some takeaways from our conversation with Laura, her biggest money mistake, and it took her years to finally make the right decision. Growing up in New York City, her exposure to money as a kid growing up in the Big Apple, and how to earn what you want. This amazing trick that she incorporated into her own business practice, it was one decision and she woke up richer the next day. Here's my guest, Laura Belgray. Laura Belgray, my friend, welcome to So Money. We're going to learn about the power of the words on the show today. You are a wordsmith. And I, I can't wait to share with everyone the great work that you do and the service that you provide. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. And of course, now that you said that I'm a wordsmith, I'm sure I'll be at a loss for words. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think pressure. it's a funny, I think it's a cool story about how we got connected. You were a fan of the show and you wrote to me and, and you wrote a beautiful email and I, it, it stopped me in my tracks and I wrote back and I was like, can we be friends? 
I was so happy when you wrote back because it was totally a fan letter. And I never, I don't know. I never expect to hear back from a fan letter. Like there's something, you know, there's, there's a magic to having a podcast or any kind of media, I think that makes you seem so big that it didn't even occur to me that you could write back to me. Like you're a celebrity to me. <laughs> what? And you, in, and, and you'd interviewed uh, Bravo people. Bravo is that's a, it's something we learned we 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 enjoy uh, we share in the in the drama of Bravo the love we, of Bravo we do I'm hooked on Vanderpump Rules right now oh my gosh I was in LA and I drove past Pump her new restaurant oh my god and I almost forgot to breathe it was <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to go in there I know I'd be disappointed let down that nobody Probably. from the show is actually in there yeah. Um, so Laura, you are the founder of a cool company called Talking Shrimp. You're the co-creator of The Copy Cure with Marie Forleo. Many of my listeners probably know who Marie Forleo is. She is a female entrepreneur, host of Marie TV, um, founder of, B- of B-School. And she's one of your dearest friends. And the two of you created The Copy Cure. But first, let's take a step back and talk about your journey into developing this niche for yourself as a copy expert and a, and a really a corporate branding expert. Um, how did you dive into this? I mean, I assume you were always that person who got the A on the English essay, right? You always got, you did well in honors English and AP English. Yes. Even though I, I'm sure I was docked points for handing everything in late or with, um, you know, at the time it was, it was, I went to high school before computers. And so my homework would have like broccoli stuck on the back, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but the writing was good. I did. I, I was always a good writer and had a feeling that I would do something in writing and I wanted to work in TV, but I didn't, I didn't want to be sitting at, <laughs> and I'm dating myself back then. My image of, was of myself, um, lonely, like in a garret with a typewriter. We didn't have computers. <laughs> that problem was solved. No typewriter. But I, I was afraid to become a writer because I really thought it would mean slaving away all day over a book with reams and reams of paper and crumpling things up and throwing them in the trash. And I found my way into promos, writing promos for TV. And if your listeners don't know what those are, those are the commercials that advertise the shows. So you mm-hmm. might be watching, you know, you might be watching say Bravo and you see, you know, Mondays by Bravo, you know, a new lady, a new baby, and it wouldn't be Atlanta without everyone getting shady. That's a stupid <laughs> one that I, that's a you stupid wrote one. That I, wrote, I wrote that. Um, <laughs> and it's been airing recently. Do you also write, you know what, we, my husband and I make fun of like the news teases. It's like coming up at 11, what you're eating for dinner could kill you. Right, exactly. Stay like, tuned for 11 p.m. It's like, well, I might be dead by then, but okay, thanks. It's always that you're going to die. Like, stay tuned, you know, news at 11, you're dying. Um, so, yes, those are promos too. I haven't written news promos, but I, I found my way into promos because someone I had worked with in at Spy Magazine, which was a big hot magazine in the 90s, and then at New York Magazine, was writing promos for VH1. And I had never heard of promos. And he said, I would just, I watch the shows and then write these short little things in between. And I was like, oh my God, that's a job. That's a job, yeah. That's a job. I have to do that. And so he introduced me to his boss and I had no work to show her except for a bunch of printed out stuff 
from a bulletin board, which, you know, a, a, it was then called a bulletin board. Now they're called forums. I guess now it would be a Facebook group um, that I used to, that I had been hired to write in as sort of a ringer. I was hired to write on this site and pretend to be a member and keep it lively. So I would go in there and write about Beverly Hills 90210 and Melrose Place and my thoughts of the day and converse with people, have these conversations and, and debates about who was the worst on Melrose Place, et cetera. And so that was all I had to show. I printed always all Heather stuff Locklear, out. right? Always, always Heather Locklear. Always. She was always the worst. Uh, and and Kimberly, who blew everyone up, I think she she had, <laughs> she had like she had yeah, a bunch of crazy wigs. Mm-hmm. She had a bunch of crazy wigs, and then a crazy head scar under her wigs. And then there was a bomb. I forget the specifics, but uh, so there was plenty of material to write about that back then. And I printed that stuff out and showed it to the VH1 head honcho, who liked it and hired me to write my first promo. And so that started my career in TV, writing, copywriting. I didn't even know there was, you know, writing versus copywriting. I didn't know there was a difference. That's where I became a copywriter. And then in 2003 or so, I met Murray Forleo at Crunch. We were in hip-hop class together. And... Uh, what a great I, story. Yes. I didn't like her at first. I mean, she... she oh, you didn't. No, Why? Um, she, not for any other reason than she had the best body I'd ever seen. <laughs> and she learned all the moves faster than anyone in the class and was always in the front, killing it while I was still fumbling to figure out the arms. <laughs> and, now that's and, that, now hip hop class is now replaced by Zumba, I think. <laughs> it is, exactly. <laughs> I would still go to hip hop class. And Marie... Um, you know, and Marie had this really positive energy that I thought couldn't be real. So she annoyed me. And then, and then one day I hated her. Um, and then one day I was like, no, maybe she's okay. And I started talking to her and she was so nice. And she was a bartender at the time. And my husband, Stephen, was about to open a restaurant as the GM of, uh, it was called Lever House in Midtown. And he was looking for bartenders. So I asked her if she was interested in another, another bartending gig. She said yes, and I recommended her to Stephen. So she became a bartender for Lever House, and we became friends. And I started going to her hip-hop class when she inevitably started teaching because she was so good. She took over. Yeah. She took over, and I was what she calls her front row mafia. I was there every <laughs> class. And so we just developed a friendship. We'd walk home together. We both lived in the West Village. And eventually I ended up taking signing up for her mastermind because she was so good and I wanted her help and she got to know me on a professional level and loved what I did and she invited me to speak at her first event which was called Rich Happy and Hot Live and it was 75 people in a room maybe 50 people and I and she asked me to talk about copywriting so I gave uh, basically a one hour talk on copywriting and afterwards, people started approaching me and asking me to help them with their business writing for their websites or their emails or their sales pages. And that's how my current business, which is more about helping clients one-on-one, got started. So that's- I love that story. And, and talk about the fact that, you know, in this day and age, everybody 
who wants to work in in the on the interweb and have a presence and have a website and have be, be online branded how important is your the words you choose to describe yourself it's not as easy as it looks no it's not i mean it, the words you describe you use to describe yourself and your business are so important whether it's your your homepage your about page people go to your about page maybe first after they've landed on your website that's i think the number to most visited page after your homepage. People go there. It depends what business you're in, but they're either looking, they, they may be looking for your credentials. They may be looking to see why you started this business. They might still not really understand what your business is, um, but they're intrigued because you got them on your, on the homepage. You got at least their curiosity up and they want to understand more about what it's about. And most of all, especially if you're a service-based business and a personality-driven brand, they want to see if they would click with you. So all of that is super important. And, you know, I, I like to put it this way. Have you, like, have you ever walked into the wrong house when you were a kid? <laughs> uh, I've, I've gone into the wrong car. <laughs> into the wrong car. Okay. Horrible moment. Which or, is probably worse like, as a kid. Oh, that is worse. Or have you ever, even as an adult, um, or as a kid, walked in on someone in the bathroom? Oh, yeah. In a public bathroom? Like, how fast <laughs> How fast are you out of there? Like, oh I'm God, out here. You could oh, injure yourself getting, getting out of that room. Yeah. Right. No, you can't get out of there fast enough. Um, or even if you walk into a store that you thought looked cute from outside. And as soon as you go in, you're like, oh, this isn't stuff for me. Right. You're, you're out of there. So that's the same reaction we have when we land on a website and don't immediately understand where we are. Or it doesn't, there's no copy there that to make it super clear what this is, who it's for, and, you know, what you can get from it. You, if you're confused or if it just doesn't look good, um, especially the copy, if there's no copy to make things clear, you're out of there. You close that window in a hot second, like as fast as if you'd walked in on someone in the bathroom. So when, who do you like to work with these days? Who are your, uh, your coolest clients? You know, I love the random clients. I get a lot of people who are in the self-help space or coaching, you know, coaches, um, health experts, people like that. But my favorite favorites are the really random ones like someone who has a professional office cleaning business and is trying to get more, more offices to sign up and say, well, you know, we want you to clean for us. Or, you know, who then moved on to start a marketing company, a, a marketing school for other people with cleaning businesses. Because I love the challenge of, of talking about specific things like trash, you know, overflowing waste baskets and, and making it fun, making them, helping them stand out. Or I had a client a couple of times recently who's a mortgage broker and wanted to send out cards to, you know, actual snail mail to brokers, um, to keep him top of mind with them when they, so that they can say to their clients, like people who are, you know, going to open houses, you need to set up a, you need to get pre-approved for a mortgage and you need to use this guy. So I helped him, you know, come up with really fun cards to send out to people. So I really love those random businesses, mm -hmm. mortgage broker, cleaning business. When you go in to do the 
I mean, you're really like, I consider you like a surgeon. You go in and you fix their content, their writing, their, their voice too. How do you, and how do you become the voice of that person? Because that's so important. You want that to, you don't want it, you don't be Laura's voice on everyone's website, even though you have a wonderful voice and a wonderful personal yeah. writing style. But how do you take on the personality of the person, of the client that you're working for to make sure that not only does it sound great, but that as a visitor to this website, I'm like, I want to be this person's friend. Right. I think that the key thing there is getting the specifics from them and, and phrases that they love to say. But most of all, it's their specifics. For instance, I just worked with a guy who needed a new bio, and he was a creative director for a marketing company. And he mentioned a couple of times that he has that he looks incredibly young. People are surprised that he's been in the business for a decade because he has a total baby face. And he also mentioned that when he was setting up shop for this company in Qatar, that the royal family was not impressed. Like he was unable to grow facial hair. And so he had a pathetic peach fuzz mustache that the royal family was really not impressed by. Everyone there has facial hair. <laughs> so, so using specifics like that, you know, I put those into his bio. And that makes like using the specifics that are important to the client really makes the copy sound like them. All right. Let's talk about money. Do you like okay. talking about money? I love talking about money more Good. than most people do. Well, I guess since you were listening to the show before we met, you, you weren't too shy on the topic. Okay. What is your financial philosophy, Laura? Do you have a money mantra? I wouldn't say I have a money mantra, but more and more I have to remind myself that the thing to spend on is experiences and trips and travel. The thing not to spend on is yet another top that is just going to make my closet more crammed mm -hmm. and that, I, you know, I, I have enough stuff. So spending on, spending on trips and experiences is the most important thing. And you're actually going to Italy and you're mentoring yeah. like 25 students basically in Italy. So it's not yes. really work. Uh, no, I mean, I'm certainly going to put in a lot of prep time for that, but it's going to be super fun. And I'm, I'm so excited I'm doing it. And I am, I'm terrified anytime I do something new like that. And I almost always want it to be like, have a fantasy that it gets canceled just to let me off the hook. <laughs> oh, no. And so that it, so that I don't have to pack. Yeah. But I, but I'm always thrilled once I'm there. And then especially once I've done it, I'm so happy. So it's always worth doing those things that scare me. You grew up in New York, didn't you? New York City? Yes. I, I love meeting people who grew up in the Big Apple, in the city. I, I find that, and then who end up staying. Um, it's not, it is unusual, I think. Yes. Maybe not for you because you are from here, so you have a lot of friends here. But for me as an outsider, it's always cool to find someone who's been here from the beginning of their lives. What was your introduction to money as a kid, especially given that you lived in New York City, which is very different from the rest of the world as far as culture and also I think the val like prices are very high mm. here. So what do you remember being your greatest money memory as a kid growing up in New York? Yeah, I... It's funny when you, when you say that the first thing that comes to my mind is the feeling of a quarter in my hand, 
because I think my first allowance was a quarter. I think when I was around six, my parents started giving me an allowance of a quarter and I would take that to the Woolworths on the corner and put it into those toy machines where you turn the, where you turn the knob and like out comes some stupid thing in a little plastic Mm -hmm. bubble. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, of course. Um, You know, I still have a, a, I have a, I'm attracted to those things. I I was in a hotel in LA and there were all these bubblegum machines and they had toys in them and bubblegum and and I was, I was embarrassed to go like check it out one night. I wanted, (laughs) I wanted to see what was, what I could get. And do you know what? It's not 25 cents anymore. It's a dollar. (gasps) They wanted four quarters. That's obscene. That's so wrong. So wrong. That's so wrong. Well, the other thing that I'm still attracted to those too. And the other thing that the quarter, I mean, I really have a Pavlovian response to holding a quarter in my hand because I was so addicted to video games and I would, when I, like when I was first allowed to go out on my own, I would around not age nine or 10, I would go to every place in the neighborhood that had video games. I would go looking for Donkey Kong, Pac-Man, Tempest, and hang out at these places all day where like perverts were hanging out and drug dealers and, um, you know, gross people who'd rub up against kids. Uh, but back then parents let their kids wander around and I was so addicted to video games. I would spend every quarter, every dollar of my allowance, which my parents would raise for me on video games. And I actually started stealing money from my parents, like a little drug fiend to (laughs) fund the habit. My mother threw out my Nintendo when I was little. Well, I don't know if she threw it out, but she definitely like gave it away for free. Can you imagine? My husband thinks that's why I'm like, a little down sometimes. He's like, I think that part of you is your psyche is still hurting from that time when your mom. I think that's a trauma. I mean, isn't it? Well, because I, I was playing it too much. It. It, it was interfering with school, and also I developed a tick because I was like, I would take the the joystick or not the joystick, but like it was that rectangular you know controller, and you know just click and click 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 click, and I would just be sitting at the dinner table with this um with this impulse to click. That's amazing. I can relate to that so much. I would actually close my eyes at night and see Donkey Kong patterns like inside my <laughs> but eyes. you know what? We turned out okay. I think so. Don't tell anyone, but I let my one and a half year old watch TV. Not all the time, but occasionally when I need to do things because it's A, the only way I can sometimes, you know, get shit done. Sorry. But then <laughs> the other reason is because I'm like, I watched a hundred thousand million times more television than he did at that age. And th- I mean, oh. and throughout my life that, um, and, and I, I'm like, I turned out okay. You know, like <laughs> I was raised in front of the TV. And in fact, um, here's a little fact about me. I was on the opening of Sesame street. <gasps> oh my gosh. Which is all we watch now in my house. Yeah, I was in the show. That's open. pretty awesome. Do you get royalties for that or no? You just uh, get like. Don't I wish. PBS <laughs> man, all they did was, you know, I'm sure they asked my mom to sign a waiver, if that. You might have gotten and, like a lunch, a free lunch that day or something. I don't think so. I don't think so. Not even. But I was Sesame Street famous. So. Okay. So let's talk about failure. Have you ever had a financial failure that you're willing to share publicly? My God, I've had so many. But. Uh, <laughs> The first thing that comes to mind, and you're going to want to, I'm so glad that we're on Skype right now and not in person because you would hit me. I, so I worked at Viacom as a promo writer for many years, maybe 15 years. 
And it wasn't until the last couple of years of that that I signed up for the 401k. Wow. Well, what year was this? Well, I started working there in like 1995. Mm. And then I would say, uh, yeah, I was there for longer than that. Um, No, I would say in around 2007. Whoa. I finally said, oh, maybe I should put money into this thing. I just ignored it. You know, they're like, do you want to? HR didn't keep sending you barraging emails? They did, but I, the more emails you send me and the more notices you send me, especially if it's paperwork, the more I ignore it. Well, hey, sooner, later, better late than never, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Is that? Is that <laughs> yes. Yes. Better late than never. It wasn't and never. it's Viacom, so they probably had quite a match or some kind of benefits uh-huh. plan. Oh, there was matching funds. And I was just so greedy to have the money in my hands. Right. That I ignored it. So why did you ultimately do it? What was the turning point? I think that somebody said to me, finally said to me, you are a huge moron <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't start putting money into this. And I, I think I, it finally dawned on me that that money could snowball and, right. you know, add up to quite a bit of wealth. Well, speaking of wealth, what's your so money moment? I know that... Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, there are a lot of there are a lot of challenges and risks to that, but at the same time, very rewarding. So, what would you say is your so money moment? A time when you just felt that you had all your hard effort and all your all your planning and all your smarts were just had the stars aligned, and you you did really well with your money, or you did something that was really great with your with your money. You know, I, I would I would say there are two moments. One is. Um, one that started off not so great, which was when I was let go from a, or the contract ended up like a six figure contract at Viacom, um, that was ended. And I, I was like, how am I going to make up this money? And I put packages for the first time on my website and people immediately started taking me up on them. I couldn't Mm. believe it. And I actually made up that money in that year was something I, I never thought I could do just from really from my website, from people coming to my website and, and asking saying, for I what you wanted, you. asking for exactly. And, and that was an amazing thing to me. Just, wow, I can't believe this. Like having good copy out there, being able to say what you do in a way that people want it can really add up to a lot. And, um, it brings people to you. It was, that was a revelation to me. And then, and then the other so many moment was finally launching the copy cure with Marie last year, because that was really a labor of love and something we had in the works for two or three years and something I wanted out there so badly, like a course on copywriting where I put everything I knew really into that and, and people bought it and it's over 2000 people have gone through the copy cure now. That's incredible. How do people, I mean, the partnership with Marie obviously must help with the exposure Mm. to the copy Mm -hmm. cure. But even before when you said you had packages on your website and you had a website and people came, what what was the drive for people to come to to your site? Um, I think really my blog started getting my name out there. I, I write a really random blog. It's not a, it's mostly not about copywriting but I tell stories on it and 
show my personality and well, show how you write, which is a lesson yeah. in and of itself. Yes, that's true. Exactly. So, you know, some people will unsubscribe when I send out my blog posts and they'll say, I wanted more value because they wanted copywriting tips. But a lot of people say, thank you so much for showing how, you know, how copy can, how you can put you in your, how you can put yourself into your copy mm. and make it fun. And they really enjoy it and they like my stories. So I think that that is what brought people to me pretty much. Well, I'm so glad people are finding you and hopefully more after this podcast. What's your number one money habit, Laura? Do you have something that you do with your money? I mean, I know that Marie even has, I've heard her say like, who's your really good friend. She says she irons her bills or maybe did at (laughs) one point. She did that as a kid. Yeah, as a kid. I would love, I wish I could, I, I know that I should follow her example of treating money so nicely. She really does. I mean, she lines up a habit. She also got when she was a bartender, she lines up her bills with the, you know, all the heads facing one way. Um, but, and I don't do that. I, I crumple my, my worst money habit is that I crumple up my money and shove it in a little coin purse and it's always a mess. <laughs> but I would say, <laughs> I would say my number one money habit is, well, one is making sure to make money. I really, mm. I, I don't like to let the, let the number drop. And I, I chart, oh, you know what the habit is? I have a, I have a great invoicing software called Harvest and that has saved my butt. I make sure to invoice every client before we meet and follow up and make sure that they pay up front before we meet. Mm-hmm. And that keeps things neat. That, may, that means that I don't have to chase anybody after, after we've already had a session, after I've done the work for them. That's brilliant. Why don't more people do that? I guess it's not really the industry norm. You know, you usually pay after services have been provided. Right. It's not the norm, but people never argue. They never say to me, well, why don't you do the work for me and then I'll pay you? Or why don't I give you a deposit and then I'll pay you the other half after you do the work? They trust me enough to pay me up front and go along with my policies. And it works out so much better that way. Way I never have a bout of insecurity if they don't pay me right away. Like, oh, did they not like the work? Is that why they're not paying? Or are they ghosting me? You know, I'll, I would have little freakouts if I had to chase everybody. Ghosting. For, yeah. That's a that's a, like a New York, did the New York Times coin that phrase? I feel I like there they, was an, there was an article about that. I think they might have that. And yeah, it's become a thing now. The New York Times is always making like, especially the style section is always making up trends yeah. like. Like, you know, hipsters in Williamsburg or metrosexual. I think that was the New York Times. Metrosexual. Or they'll say like, people are having vintage typewriter parties. I'm like, no, they're not. What? No. Yeah. They just make things up. They make trends up. Everyone in Brooklyn is moving to Westchester. No. Right. Right. Exactly. No, they're not. Um, But this this term caught on. But this one guy is and we interviewed him and he's really interesting and great. You know, like if that happened, actually, they profiled – this one family in like upstate New York and um, he, they originally lived in Brooklyn. So they, they made it into this big story about how Brooklynites are leaving and they can't afford it. And yes, all those things are true that you right. know, <clears throat> people are migrating the price. They're getting priced out. But even the guy that they interviewed was like, um, I think they exaggerated the, <laughs> the story a little bit. The mass migration. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anywho, let's do some so many fill in the blanks. This has been so much fun. Let's oh, yeah. really quickly get your 
immediate thoughts on these unfinished sentences. And okay. really excited to do it with you of all people. If I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is? I would book the hugest vacation for all my friends. Where would you like, go? I think I'd go to Sicily nice. and rent it and, and rent an amazing villa on like right on the ocean and have a huge party. I don't host enough things. I want people to come together. Like I want to bring everyone together. And it always seems like such a big expensive undertaking. And I, I just, that is my fantasy to have a huge, huge like vacation with everybody and get friends together who don't know each other. And all that stuff. And then, and then, oh, of course I'd, you know, I'd, um, buy a bigger apartment, something with, uh, outdoor space. That's, that's my other fantasy. Mm. I know there's so much real estate eye candy in New York city. It's, t- <sighs> and it, and, and the prices just go up Ridiculous. and up and up. Ridiculous. Unbelievable. So, so of course I'd, you know, my first action would be to spend, spend, spend. I'm MC hammer. Yeah. We got to bring back the hammer. I'm, I'm, you remember when we he did. did a comeback? It was like the Grammys. Well, yeah. And he was on that VH1 uh, reality show, The Surreal Life. But, you know, hammer pants, he's halfway come back because hammer pants really did make a comeback. They did. They're all over Williamsburg. Right. Exactly. That's why I hated but, living there. And, and moving to Westchester. All right. The one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? I got two things. One is going out to eat. We, my husband and I love going to restaurants and he likes to cook, but I don't. So that doesn't happen much. So eating out and then eyelash extensions. Ooh. I'm obsessed with eyelash extensions. Do you go to like the session where you sit for two hours and yeah. I mean, it's like 90, it's like 90 minutes and I didn't think I could handle that, but I listen, I listen to so many podcasts. Oh. I line up, I line up a bunch of podcasts and, um, because you know, your eyes are closed. So if it stops, you've got to have them in a row so that they'll, you know, play one after the other. And, um, I lie there. Sometimes I fall asleep, but <laughs> it's a, it's a really nice time to, it's the only time of day that, I'm not checking my phone. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You can't. You can't, which is a really great thing. And then um, I've heard like Kelly Ripa on the other day on her live show, she was like, I got my hair done. I got my lashes done. I feel like a woman once again. And it's true. How do you feel after that? Do you like, what is it about the eyelash extensions that revolutionizes your perception of yourself? Because you have these thick, curled eyelashes that they're really, they're young person's eyelashes. You take eyelashes for granted when you're a kid. And then like when you get to a certain age, you start, if you're like me, you start looking at everybody's eyelashes. How'd you get those eyelashes? (laughs) You know, oh, lucky you, you're 10 years old. Look at your eyelashes. And the one thing that I used to have to do before I went anywhere was curl my eyelashes and put on mascara to look to look awake, even they make you, they just make you look awake. They make you look prettier. They make you look so much younger and people are nicer to you. I'm not kidding. Hmm. I, I'm not kidding. Like it's so people, money, like people, it is so money. People are really strangers are nicer to me. Like, a, like in the airport, I think someone like, um, actually people give you money. The seat. People give you money. No, they, they might, 
they don't actually upgrade you, but they're way more accommodating because I think they kind of make you look like a, like a Disney character. They make you look innocent, <laughs> benevolent, and people respond to that. Well, in that case, it's worth the money then. It's so worth the so money. So worth the money. All right. One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up. Oh, <laughs> contribute to your 401k. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and one thing I wish I'd listened to is don't lend people money. Yeah. I, I, I really, my parents told me that and I didn't really listen to them until after I had loaned $12,000 of my savings to an inappropriate boyfriend. Oh, and then I saw like that's a really bad idea. And you like, you are so aware of everything that person is spending on when they're not paying you back. You're like, really? You're going on vacation? Yeah. Really? You're treating nice shirt. Is that friends? new? Yeah. Nice yeah, shirt. Exactly. Nice shirt. Did I happen to pay for that? Mm-hmm. And, and you yeah. know that you did. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's a, I think my parents' advice was really good. Don't lend money. That's a good, and if you do, consider it a gift and kiss it goodbye. Yes. Mwah. Yes, exactly. Mwah. It's not a loan. It's a gift. All right. Well, almost at, at goodbye here, but before we go, Laura, finish this for me. I'm Laura Belgray. I'm so money because... I'm so money because I help people use words to make more money. Love it. Everyone, check out TalkingShrimp.com. The copy cure is phenomenal. And if you're anybody out there who needs help with your online persona, your abouts, your even just, I mean, anything, right? It's, it's not just yes. online people. Brick and mortar businesses need help with copywriting as well. Mm-hmm. Postcards, Postcards, things you put up on the world, on the, on the bulletin board. I love it. Laura, such good work that you're doing. Thank you so much for stopping by. And thanks for sending me that email all that time ago. And I'm so happy I did. Thanks for friendship. replying. Thank you, Furnish. Thanks so much to my guest, Laura Belgray. That's a wrap. Her website, everyone check it out, TalkingShrimp.com. She's also on Twitter at L Belgray, B-E-L-G-R-A-Y. All this information, the audio, the transcript, the comments over at SoMoneyPodcast.com. There you can also click on Ask Farnoosh and ask me your question for the Friday episodes. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys and gals. Hope to see you right back here tomorrow. In the meantime, I hope your day is so money. So money.